Welcome to this To Tell Us Die podcast. We are on a still journey. My name is Jenny Donnelly, and I am so pumped to be with my super great friend, Ann Hammock from Warrior, Alabama. Ann, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Jenny, for having me. I'm just super excited. Um, you and I have been on this journey together for a while, and I'm excited just to share my personal life things. Yes, we have. In fact, Anne and I have had so many conversations about the subject of rest. And there are a lot of late nights at drenched retreats, I think, that we are geeking out on all the things that God was saying to us about rest. And it just gets so exciting. It gets better and better. But this subject we're talking about today is super critical. And before we jump into the seven ways to find calm in the chaos, we're going to unfold and really unpack these in the next episodes. But today we need to address something that we can't look over and we can't skip past it. And that is in the area of forgiveness. Without forgiveness, without the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be pretty tough, if not impossible, to find a place of rest because in our hearts, when we hold people hostage or we are, you know, disgruntled over somebody or we've been hurt by somebody, we can hold an undercurrent of fear or an undercurrent of worry or pain. And that stills our rest for sure. So I thought, Anne, you would be such a perfect person to bring on here today because you have a very inspiring story. Your story of your upbringing and even into adulthood of forgiveness is really profound to me, very inspiring, and it's filled with so much hope. Would you mind, before we get into that part of your story, tell us a little bit about yourself in case some people don't know you. I already said that you lived in Warrior, Alabama, but tell us about um, Dusty and your kids and grandkids. Uh, Okay, well, that's the subject I love to talk about the most is my heart and my treasure. So my husband and I have been married 25 years. We live in a little rural community where we raised our kids, built a home, is right after we got married on 10 acres. We like to call it Hammock Rest. And we have five children. Our baby is 19. He's in Bible college. He's the last one to leave the nest. I do not like the term empty nester. I just say my nest now is full of things that aren't children anymore. <laughs> I'm welcoming all of my kids to keep having kids because grandbabies are amazing. So we are grandparents. And our life is just full. We love ministry. We've always been involved in ministry. We've pastored full-time. We've traveled the world doing missions work. We have a work in Kenya. And our heart really is to see the gospel of Jesus Christ spread throughout the nations. And even being a part of um, Tetelestai and seeing what God is doing, it's really where Dusty and I feel so much of our future, our heart, is connected to what's happening and seeing people including myself, truly experienced this place called rest. Um, And, you know, I don't know how much time we have to go there, but I'll tell you, the first time, Jenny, that I was in a meeting, I heard you make a statement that said, work from a place of rest. And I thought, my goodness, if you can do that, somebody please tell me how. Because I did not realize (laughs) it was a place that we could actually live. And it changed our household. You know, I think I became a better wife, a better mom. And as a result of that, it truly has changed the dynamic of everything that I do, the way that I filter my entire life. But um, you mentioned my upbringing. And I was raised in a home. Uh, my father was an alcoholic pretty much all of my life. 
So we were in and out of church. I went to church with my grandmother. Uh, I gave my life to the Lord as a young girl. I can remember at nine years old having a real encounter with the Lord. And then when my dad would have seasons of, you know, where he would quit drinking, uh, we would be in church for a while. And I've seen my dad, you know, with his Bible laid in his lap, that he was all, he always had the hook. He always had the addiction that continued to pull him back. And I know, Jenny, you and I have talked about, you know, addictions, and we've seen people be set free, so it is possible. Um, but my, my the pain as a result of the experiences that I had to deal with my dad um, left me in a place where I felt so broken, and I really did not know how to, how do you forgive? How do you forgive someone who, continually offends that that wounds you to the deepest level uh, that I think you can humanly be wounded how do you release that and so even into my adult life I found myself having this filter that I would say it was my filter of unforgiveness because it now had not only um, dictated how I felt toward my dad I could find myself actually responding when I saw similar behaviors, um, you know, even for my husband. And so I really had to come to a place of learning and understanding forgiveness. And, you know, I think that really for me was when I sat down with my father and this was after going through many, many years of confronting him and then my, our family had an intervention. We sat around the table with my dad and we basically just told him, you have got to get help. There's nothing else that we can do. And my dad walked out of that room in a counselor's office and he looked at us and he said, you will not tell me what to do. Wow. And that day my dad became homeless and he, he slept in a parking lot for five days. How did you feel during that time? I mean, seriously, did you guys struggle with feeling guilty? Did you think, nope, this is the perfect thing to do? Did you feel anger? Did you feel bitterness? Yeah, all of it. Absolutely all of it. Um, you know, I think that's the deception of unforgiveness. And we'll talk about, you know, how do you process when you know, when people are either abusing or the things that they're doing, how do you forgive um, and not necessarily reconcile relationships at that moment. And so we went through all of those emotions. Yes, we we did feel, you know, are we going to feel guilty if something happens? And But, okay, this is what he deserves. And he brought this on. It's all of those emotions. And, um, you know, the story, the way it ended is actually beautiful because on about the fifth day of him being in his car in that parking lot, he heard the voice of the Lord. He's actually trying to get drunk and high sitting in that parking lot and he heard the voice of the Lord say, if you do not surrender, they're going to find your body in that dumpster. There was a dumpster sitting in that parking lot. And it, the fear of God came on my dad and he called my mom and he basically went through a long-term recovery, came out of that recovery as different human being. Mm. But I still had things that needed to be healed inside of me. And I sat my dad called and asked, would I meet with him? And I sat across the table and he said, tell me everything I've ever done to hurt you. Now, in that moment, I didn't want to, I actually didn't want my dad to feel the pain that I felt. Um, the Lord began to help me see his humanity 
And the way that he did that was my dad, I asked him, I said, do you tell me why is this different? Help me understand why is this different than the many times that you said you've quit before. And he said, Ann, I've always believed in God. And I knew that Jesus died on the cross and that he loved you and he loved your mom and your brother and your sister. But I never could believe that he could love me. And for the first time in my life, I know that Jesus loves me. And he said, the person that I was is not my true identity. And now for the first time, I know who I am, Jesus Christ. And I was able to look at my dad and look past the, the humanity, past the, the, the man. In fact, um, in Romans, verse 7, it says, so if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that this is not my true identity doing it, but an unwelcome intruder of sin. And for the first mm. time, I had a major revelation of forgiveness. And that was when I began to recognize that who I'm looking at is a body, soul, and spirit. And I can do like Jesus and say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And that was a total release of forgiveness between me and my dad when I recognized who his true identity really was. And that started us on a healing journey. That's an amazing, amazing story. I want to capture the moment that you, that you said, I have unforgiveness in my heart. And I know that that, that awareness hit you at some point. Am I hearing it right that, it hit you when you were sitting across the table from him and when he came with such humility or was it before that point or did you leave that conversation and say, I am, I need to release him. I mean, when did you, when, and when did you know my heart needs cleansed from offense? You know, I think Jenny that I knew for years that I needed to be cleansed and that I needed to forgive. And I felt like that I'd forgiven him a million times. But there would be this, just this sense of bitterness mm. toward him that I would feel come up in my heart. And so I would, I would go back again and I would forgive again. And it was this cycle that I felt like there was something wrong with me. Okay. Until I remembered when the disciples asked Jesus, how many times did we forgive? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he said, 70 times seven which to me meant I might be forgiving someone for the same offense over and over and over until the work is perfected inside of me. So I believe I was well aware of my desperate need to forgive him. Um, I think in the moment where my dad asked me to share with him the things that he had done, and it was out of humility, it was still hard for me to accept that it was, that there was a real transformation. That it was genuine. That it was genuine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you'd because been hurt before. Yeah. So many times, so many times disappointed. Let's talk about bitterness. And yeah. bitterness is something that's real sneaky. When I discovered mm -hmm. I when I discovered I had bitterness, I would have told you, no, I don't. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. No, I don't. I don't have bitterness. And 
I remember going through something really difficult and I was in church and this is, this isn't that long ago. I want to say this is even after I published this book or after I wrote it anyway. And I was at church and I heard the Lord say, exchange your bitterness for my boundaries. You need boundaries, Mm -hmm. Jenny. And I thought, hold on a minute. And I remember him just reaching out and handing me something called boundaries. And he wanted me to give him bitterness. Well, there's two things that happened in that moment. The first one was, oh, I must be using bitterness as a boundary so I don't get hurt again. And so that's what that is. And it, and it, and it Mm -hmm. just, it just, it gave me a sense of empowerment because now I knew Oh, that's why bitterness was there because it's like, Hey, listen, I'm going to put these little porcupine quills out and Mm. that will make it. So you stop in your tracks if you try to approach me again and hurt me again. So bitterness is this very spiky, deep root, uh, that really keeps people away. The problem is it keeps everybody away. (laughs) You know, you might be, I mm -hmm. think, I'm sorry. I I think bitterness can be disguised as self-protection. There you go. Self-preservation. Like, uh, it, it is, it feels like the boundary, but deep in the heart, it is an inward condition. Bitterness is, it's inward where there's a part of us that feels like people need to pay for what they did. Yeah. There's a, this vengeance that we, we are wrestling with. If I forgive them, then that means they just get away with it. Mm. Or, We truly trust God because I I think that ultimately at the foundation level, forgiveness is confidence in God. It is the trust in God that he will take care of the situation, that he will also take care of me. And that right there is rest because you're taking your situation that you don't know how to fix and and really holding somebody in bondage in our heart and saying, you know what, you're going to be in the little prison in my heart and you're not going to get away with this. And I can't forgive you. Not that we say these things consciously. I mean, some people do. Mine was much sneakier than that. It was much more subtle. I was in much more denial of it because I didn't like feeling those things. And so I suppress them. But Mm -hmm. when we hold people hostage in our heart and we recognize it. Like, I think people are listening right now going, I might be doing that right now against my husband, against my teenager, against the people I love. That's where it doesn't make sense. A lot of times it's the people right in our space, the people that we're the most, the closest to. And we are saying, hold on a minute. I'm truth be told. If I'm honest with myself, I'm mad at my child for, you know, traumatizing me, for giving me a run for my money. I'm, I'm mad at the rebellion of my teenager. I'm mad at them for that. And so let's just right now think about what you just said, Anne, that we might have to open, we have to open the little prison door and say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you with this person, with this situation, with this pain, with this ickiness, And I'm going to let them off the hook out of my heart. I'm going to let them off the hook, even though you might not God. And that's not up to me. That's not up to me. That's not, um, that's not my, I'm not the judge. I'm not the, I'm not God. (laughs) I don't get to determine the outcome for that person. I want to rewind a little bit. When you spoke about sitting across from your dad and him saying, I believe that God loved you and I loved your, and he loved your mom, but I didn't believe he loved me. I mean, that just chokes me up. And I just got tears in my eyes and because it is love that breaks mm-hmm. the, it breaks yokes, the, the love of God, the love of God that is so powerful 
powerful. It is more powerful than sin. It is more powerful than our mistakes. It is more powerful than the hurt that other people have done to us. It's more powerful than the hurt that we've done to others. That love is so powerful. And when Jesus was standing there and said, Jenny, give me your bitterness and I'll give you boundaries. I said, but I don't know what boundaries look like. What is a boundary? And then he shared with me, he said, love, love. And I saw the picture of, you know, if you're a certain age, you remember Care Bears and I think they've actually cycled their way Mm -hmm. back through, but the Care Bear stare, you know, it's this like, okay, if I love out, if I receive God's love for me and I believe just like your dad, I believe that he loves me when that revelation hits, then I can love out and now that love is my protection. I don't have to put out the porcupine quills. I don't have to, you know, let a root of bitterness stay deeply embedded in my spirit because I can love and love yeah. is going to protect me. The love of God, not, not the love I can muster up. That's not very much, but I can yeah. allow the love yeah. of God to work through me and out. Okay. So what are some of the symptoms for somebody that's listening right now saying, wait a minute, maybe I do have a little unforgiveness in my heart. Maybe I, maybe I am still mad at my dad from when I, you know, 25 years ago, it seems ridiculous. You know, I remember thinking, why am I even going through this unforgiveness thing? That was so long ago. That's so dumb. It's so stupid. I was young and I try to logic my way out of it. Tell me what are some of the symptoms for people listening? And you might say, you might notice this, you might notice this. These are the symptoms of unforgiveness because I think that we need help knowing if we have a heart that needs to forgive. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I use as um, my litmus test. What I, how do I look and say, Anne, do you have unforgiveness? And I really just take it to the test of, you know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he had been abused, he had been taken advantage of. He had everything that he had lived for, loved, everything he did, he was crucified and had done nothing wrong. And yet he had the capacity to pray a prayer, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And then you have the the contrast of that, who are the Pharisees, who were trying to make sure that everybody was being held accountable for every wrong and everybody paid and everybody kept the rules. And so my test is this. When I think about the person, when I think about the situation, what rises up inside of me? Is it, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing? Or do I feel more like the, the Holy Spirit showed me this um, heresy, fair, I see. It's mm. not fair. If I'm thinking of statements like, it's not fair, they did me wrong, they should have to pay for this, then I'm falling into the wrong category. That's unforgiveness. But when I can say, Father, I release them. And I'm, I want to share a real quick story, Jenny, because there's, that's I amazing. Think it relates to scripture. So I had um, a friend of mine that had owed me some money and just some circumstances that created some bitterness, unforgiveness inside of my heart. And, you know, I say I was praying the prayers of David, you know, like, Lord, kill my enemy. All the Yes. <laughs> finding those Psalms, you know, and saying, but it's your word. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just, I was 
super frustrated, super angry about it. And I heard the Holy Spirit say these words, and this has been probably, well, right at 25 years ago. Holy Spirit said to me in prayer, until you release him, I can't release you. Mm. And I reached my hand up, bald in a fist, and I opened my hand and I said, I release him. He does not owe me anymore. Now that story goes on that a week later, the very amount of money that he owed me was in my mailbox, cash money in my mailbox. Isn't that and I amazing? share that story because it's not about the money. What it is, it was about a heart condition. Because we all know the Lord's Prayer, but I think, I wonder how many of us know the scripture that follows the Lord's Prayer. If we could quote it, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And here's the key. And forgive us our debt as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, here's the scripture that follows that, Denny, that here's where the revelation came for me. Until you release him, I can't release you because this scripture says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive you. And so I learned that day that actually I'm holding myself captive when I'm attempting to hold someone else captive. That's and the it's truth. a release and a surrender. I think it goes back to what you said earlier, and that's trust. God, can I trust you with this thing that's not fair? Am, mm-hmm. I, am I to take this in my own hands and try to make this fair? Because let's be honest, is it working? Is right. holding that person captive in our heart, is that actually working? Is it, is it making a wrong right? No, it's just poisoning ourselves. And I've heard it said before that unforgiveness is really drinking a poison ourselves, thinking that we're poisoning the other person. And really it's just hurting us. This has been an amazing conversation, Anne, and there's so much more to the depth of forgiveness. In fact, we go through a very powerful, powerful exercise in the still series, the video series, the new, the newly filmed series that will be coming out here in mid-March. And so I just want to encourage all the listeners to go and watch this video series because there is a, there is an exercise that we will do together that will for sure change your heart and will cleanse your heart, not because of the tool itself, but because of the activation and the invitation of the Holy Spirit to do something supernatural in our hearts. Forgiveness is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. You said that, Anne, and it truly is. In and of ourselves, we don't have the capacity or the ability to really forgive deeply. And so we do have to call upon the Holy Spirit and it's been such an encouragement today to hear not only your forgiveness for your dad, because that's a miracle, but how your dad sat down. And it sounds like he did the hardest thing there is to do. It sounds like he forgave himself. Yeah. That's what I hear yeah. when, when you, when you tell that story and that's yeah. what I hear as I hear a man who has, who could come to the table with a million regrets 
and really just go into a pit of shame, condemnation, and walk around saying, I failed my children. I failed my wife. I failed my life. I failed the people around me. I failed God. I failed myself and really go into a pity party, which is probably where he lived, (laughs) which is what drove him to keep drinking. Right. Because shame makes us do the very same thing that we did to get us there. That is the problem with sin. It is just a, it's a toilet bowl. You know, you just go right down the drain. But when we encounter God's love, what happens is we come into a place of compassion and forgiveness for ourselves. I want to make sure that everybody knows that this exercise that we do in the video series is so profound and it's greatly needed. It's something that we actually take people through at nearly every single drenched retreat that we have. And so if you have not seen the events calendar on john1930.com, that's actually the Tetelestai Ministries website, but we recognize that Tetelestai is hard to say and even harder to spell. (laughs) So go to www.john1930.com, check out the events page and see if there's a drenched near you. If you are within a four to six hour drive, jump in your car, get some people in your car and come see us, come spend a couple nights with us. Some of the drenches we do are just one evening. You just have to look and see the format of what we're doing there, but we are there to experience an encounter and an equipping of God himself. And it is, it is life-changing. We both know this and we've been through it so many times. So, Anne, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you to all the people that have, um, who have subscribed to this podcast. Be sure to go to john1930.com and subscribe to our email list, subscribe to our podcast and stay in touch. Go to the events page. We hope to see you at a drenched very, very soon. God bless you. And we'll see you next episode.